It's Sunday, June 13th, and you are listening to Peanuts and Popcorn. PNP is a spontaneous podcast between two old friends on baseball and motion pictures. I'm Tom Hockney. And I'm Leo Fontana. This week on Peanuts and Popcorn, Bob Nightingale identifies the players most likely to be traded and the teams most likely to trade for them. Foreign substances. Who's using them and what are they using? Jacob deGrom has three different ERA titles to shoot for. Derek Jeter will have to wait to be inducted into the Hall of Fame, and we'll ask the question, do bigger bases beget better baseball? The Cubs and Sox are on top of their respective divisions, and no one can quite understand why. Finally, in Popcorn, we break down the Spike Lee joint, get on the bus. Tom, how are you doing this morning? Uh, I have to be honest. I, I'm about 47%. I, I stayed out way too late last night. Oh, we, no. um, we took oh, no. a friend of ours who is leaving the area slowly, but surely. I, I don't know whether you've noticed our core group of friends in the nineties is just, it's just, yeah, I was going to say moved yeah. away. So Diane Cobb, the, Diane uh, Cobb. yes, the, the ex-wife of Jesse Cobb um, is, I didn't uh, even know they were divorced. Yeah, <laughs> well, they're going through that right now, but it might okay. as well call it that. But we took her to Anderson, Andersonville last night right. to have a proper send off. We went to a great restaurant. We sat outside. But where'd you the, go to, where'd you eat? Where'd you eat? Where did we eat? Yeah. Uh, it's a Mexican restaurant. And I, I, excuse me, I don't remember the name of it, but it's extremely, it's on the east side of the street though. I know no, the, it's on the west side the of, west. and, and it's north on, uh, Broadway. I don't know. I had too many margaritas at that point. I was driven there. But the point of the reason why I bring this up is obviously Bon Voyage to Diane, a great, great friend of ours for many, many years. But it was great to be outside oh. with the masses. I, I, mean, I hate to say it. I, 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 I felt almost like a human being again. And, and no. seeing different. The one thing I will say, and again, as a fat guy, I can say this. Some people gained some weight during COVID, as it turns out. I, I was shocked by my fellow human beings. Um, not all, but m- most. Uh, I hate to say it. But it was great to see the people. It was great to be out drinking margaritas. And just, and I, I, I felt like I was in a Monet painting at one point. This is ironic because you were, you were the person you know, who, were, who, who was able to do the pandemic yeah. and the lockdowns as easily as anyone. But here you are, you know, you get a little taste of this sort of being outside in the crowd and it, and it's driven you kind of mad. But during COVID, I had this running dream where I was with my friends and we were in Simon's or some, you know, unnamed bar and everyone's heads were rolling back laughing and people were drinking and people were singing. But there wasn't nary a mention of COVID. And that's the part, I guess, yesterday I was so excited. It was like this. Right. Is, I felt like a kid again and again supports my belief that ultimately, um, when it does come back completely, we're going to have a month of New Year's Eve. That's yeah, what's going to happen. It's going to be a big party. So, so I'll I, I know, let, me, let me tell you, I know that you've been on vacation. How are you? What is your physical fitness looking like these days? Well, it's really funny because you're talking about fat guys, and I'm certainly one of them. And I found something um, that is really helping me, like a new exercise option for guys over 40. And it's pickleball. Uh, oh, right, right. I've heard about Pickleball. this. I've talked about this. They dug up the tennis courts. Yep. One, we had four of them. They it's, dug up two of them and replaced it with replaced them with six pickleball courts. And, and at first I was a tennis player. I was really mad. But then I kind of got hurt playing tennis. And I'm like, uh, I can't, you know. So I tried pickleball out. Well, and I freaking love it. 
It's yeah. fantastic. It's great because because I'm good at it. I can yeah. play it. I have good paddle to ball skills. <laughs> I, get, I build up a lather. I'm kind of fuzzy on the rules sometimes, so I get yeah. I make a lot of rookie mistakes. And I'll tell you something: it, as a sport, it it negates all the advantages that we associate with age and with gender. That yeah. that I'm and and to that point, this woman Lori, a retired teacher in her sixties shorter than I am, yeah. took me to school. Right. She crushed me. She yeah. was hitting rockets all over the place, just flicking her wrist and yeah. boom, spinning it over. It was unbelievable. Yeah. So I'm having fun getting to know people. It's very crowded. You know, uh, people line up and you rotate in randomly. So I'm getting to know people. And I'm just having a blast. That's so, great. That's great. It's uh, that's I have friends who live in Park Ridge. Huge in Park Ridge. They did the same thing. They created a pickleball courts, I guess you have it. And I have one of my friends from uh, Triplight who is a realtor in the area. And I don't know how many nights a week she plays, but it's a, it's a big part of her physical fitness and life. My question to you is, as a guy that's had big knee injuries, aren't you concerned about twisting on a dime, turning on a dime? It, Absolutely. But that's the case with everything. And I have to exercise. And if I don't exercise, yeah, I'm right. not. So at least when that injury finally does come, I might be healthy enough to sustain it. So, but, but, but I've been fortunate in my life, knock on wood, that, that you know, I haven't had any serious knee injuries. And it's low enough impact, at least from my point of view, that, I've, you know, that I can avoid injury. I mean, there's always the chance you might take a racket to the head or something like that. Right. But you know, I, I feel like I can do this. You know, it's unlike tennis where you really have to move yeah, to get right. to points, and that's where you hurt your groin, those, those hamstrings and things like that. And and so, but I can do it. I build up a lather on a hot day. It's a great sport. And I'm freaking Tom. I'm I'm, a, I'm not even a minute walk. And have you ever used spider tap while pitching? Um, I don't. I don't know. I I, I don't know if. Uh, I don't know quite. I don't quite know how to answer that, to be honest. Um, I mean, there are customs and practices that have been passed down from older players to younger players, from the last generation of players to this generation of players. And um, let's get to the uh, peanuts. Let's open the bag of peanuts. I hope you got a bag. And let's begin with an article that was in USA Today where Bob Nightingale identified the biggest trading chips that exist in Major League Baseball this year. And he yeah. also listed the teams that are most likely to trade for them. And, uh, you know, it's really funny because, you know, he kind of mapped out this article and I can tell he probably wrote it, you know, before sort of realizing what was happening in cities like Chicago because a lot of this has changed. Yes. But we'll begin, like, what he does is he says the best available starter on the market is Max Scherzer. And I think that he's absolutely right there, but who do you think might, might like to trade for him? He would look great. I think in a Cubs uniform. Well, the, the, the author uh, basically puts forth that the Cardinals are, are the team um, to, to get him. However, I would caution as, as someone that's been watching the Cardinals, you're not winning the world series with that team. 
So I don't, I, 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 part of me is like, yeah, go ahead, go spend your money on, on that short term and give up your good players that are going to kill us Cubs fans five years from now, because I just guys like Patrick wisdom and Randy or Rosarena. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I just, I have mixed feelings about that, uh, about Scherzer going there, but that's who the author, I'm not so sure. The Yankees are in a weird position. They, they, are they going to be sellers? Are they going to be buyers? It's kind of like the Cubs. We've talked about this. You know, you have do what do you do? And the Yankees could add that arm very easily to that roster if they felt that that was necessary. I don't see the Dodgers being at play. Don't really see you know the Giants or or even the Sox for that matter, the other leading teams. So um, you know, I don't see the Cardinals taking on that salary. I was going to say, and Scherzer gets paid a lot of money, so a lot it, of money. Yeah, it, it's complex. To, yeah. You I mean, the, they'd have to work something out like they did for Arenado in that Washington would have to assume some of that uh, salary. Oh, yeah. And, and Washington would have to demand, and rightfully so, the Cardinals' best of prospects to, to, yeah, to, yeah, that, yeah. that they potentially could get. So, you know, the real, the you know, Kimbrell, Craig Kimbrell, they say he's the best closer. He is the best closer without the a best doubt. Closer available. And but, I, but the Cubs are well, not going to trade him. Ex- that's just it. The, 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 I think the Cubs went into this season. Like, you know, Tampa Bay got rid of players in the offseason and they stood atop uh, the American League. Um, you know, and they sold in, in the way. This, this well, is just yeah. a topsy turvy. And the Cubs, I think, fully anticipated that Kimbrell would go, Bryant would go, all of right. these guys would go and they would get this, this, you know, cache of a fusion, oh, this infusion. Right. Yeah. right. And, and, I, and, and I, I think everything is up for grabs now. And so is Kimbrell going to go? I don't, I'm not so sure I'm with you. I think that you have to be very cautious of, about rental players because let's, let's be honest. If, if you're the buyer of this, I may only have this guy for one year. There's no guarantees. It's just no guarantee. a lot of risk. There's a, there's a weird, like I hear something about a buyout, not a buyout, but an option that the Cubs might have, you know, that becomes vested if he appears in a certain number of games or finishes a certain number of games, but that's not going to happen. Right. Right. He'll be a free agent next year. There's one thing along those lines, and we'll talk about this when we get to the Cubs, but, but I want to go now to the best available infielder, which is shortstop Trevor story from the Colorado Rockies, an excellent player who look good on a lot of teams. He would. He's on my fantasy team, but of course he's injured like he's been off and on all year long, not really contributing. He's a big bat. He's young. He's probably the most attractive of all the, you know, besides Bryant, um, in the sense that you could lock him up for a very long time and he's still a young player. Whereas Scherzer's 37, Kimbrell definitely, even though he's pitching the best pitching of his career right now he's still he's on the back end of his career I would never give that guy a long-term contract but that's just me but story's a different story (laughs) story ironically story is another story he can really help a lot of teams you know now did you see where the he rates the best available outfielder yeah Nick Castellanos yeah Cincinnati Reds and and coming from Cincinnati I'll tell you this if the Reds trade Nick Castellanos you know, the Reds fan base is going to just say F you. Right, right. They will never, I mean, they'll be furious. The, the, hey, be the, Cub, the Cubs should have been when we got rid of them too. We should have never got rid of that guy. Yeah. That bat would, I, I just can't imagine how many more wins we would have had with his his hitting. He's bat. The thing about him is he's batting near 360. It's legitimate. And he yeah. doesn't care whether you put stuff on the ball or not. 
he just he just tries to hit the ball hard. Yeah, yeah. he does, and it's great. So I think that that's a lot of fun. So now, speaking of putting things on the ball, let's talk oh, yeah. about Garrett Cole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Garrett Cole has become a bit of a a problem, or he had a bit of a problem during a press conference where he was answering questions after Josh Donaldson from the Toronto Blue Jays sort of suggested that there was a drop in Cole's spin rate, his RPM. And he suggested that maybe Cole previously had been using some sort of substance that you shouldn't be using to increase grip, thereby increasing rotations per revolutions per second or whatever. And, uh, you know, so, so he, he just said he was basically asked about it and he paused and he said, I, I don't know how to answer that. And he looked really bad in front of the New York press, which is not an easy place to exist. I, I think that uh, there's a big problem with MLB right now in yep. foreign substances. Do you agree? I completely agree. And I think that Cole was just being honest right there. If you, if you kind of dig deeper, first of all, let's just take a step back. We've been talking about this story now for four straight weeks on our show. Four straight weeks. It's not going away. And I think you're 100% right. Baseball has a problem. And that problem is that this has been going on for a long time. You, you're, you, you basically almost need to retool and retrain how um, baseballs are handled pregame, what they put on those baseballs, what's permit, permissible, what's not permissible. And the reason is, is because this is baseball's dirty little secret. You, really you think you think the cheating scandal in Houston and, and Boston were big? And if what they were big, this is something that's different. It's institutionalized. It's been going. The reason why we're having the year of the pitcher is due in part to that. It, it's not the only reason, but it's due in part to that. And so I think Cole, and you're right, he was roundly criticized, not just in the New York media, in the national baseball national media. media. Oh, that, yeah. uh, but if you dig deeper, he's a defender of this. He knows that he's a defender of this. And I don't know, part of him thinks that, you know, maybe he's, it's time for them to stop living the big lie because that's what's happening here. These, these pitchers right. and Bauer include all these other pitchers that have fig, they're smart. They understand that these things actually help them. And, and if I hear one pitcher say, oh, we only put that on there so that we don't hit the, the batters, I'm going to scream. That's just bullshit. Bullshit. And the reason why is because none of this stuff existed at one point in baseball and the hit batsmen weren't any more or less impact. You just have to learn to pitch around it, just like everything else. I just think that's an easy, cheap excuse. And baseball, like you said, has a problem on its hands. It really does. And, and you know, they're using all sorts of stuff. And, and it's amazing, you know, how we go from the steroid scandal to the asteroid to the asterisk scandal that cheating scandal. And now we have this scandal to deal with. Yeah. And what, what kind of infuriates me from the point of view of, of a fan is just how much cheating is, is, is prevalent in the sport I love so much, you know, yeah. that really kind of disturbs me. And, you know, um, and, and the substance that is sort of the favorite of the cheaters yeah. is this goo called spider tack. Right. Okay. And this stuff was invented. So basically weightlifters and, and, and guys who, who, who compete in those world strong, you know, world strongest yeah. man yeah. competition can hold on 
to those heavy concrete balls called the Atlas balls. Yeah. They, they rub this stuff up on their arms and they can maintain more contact and hold the concrete ball better. And what's hilarious is that, that uh, there was an article in The Athletic where uh, Stephen Nesbitt basically tracked down the guy who invented this stuff. Right. who's was a former, uh, former strongman competitor, right, Mike right. Caruso, and he's yeah. the CEO of the company that produces it. Yeah. And he had no idea Correct. that that pitchers were using it in this way. And he was as interested to hear from Nesbitt, the, the, the journalist, okay, as, as Nesbitt was to hear from Caruso. That was an amazing article, wasn't it? Yeah, I thought it was, I, I, yeah, yes, I, I thought so. I, but I thought that the guy was slightly disingenuous, this Caruso character. You know you're making an incredible amount of revenue, and you have been over the last five years. This isn't something that just started. So he's almost disingenuous to say, oh, really? They're using it in baseball? You know damn well they're using it in baseball. They're using I, it anywhere they can get an advantage. I don't think he knew, Tom. And I'll tell you why I don't think he knew, because he was so candid about how it, he was so candid about it. Yeah, that part I would agree with you, but I'm just jaded. I'm a doubting Thomas. I just, no, just I by know, nature, I, 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 can't, I can't believe that. I agree. I mean, you have to look at this with a jaundiced eye yeah. because there's so much innuendo and, and stuff that's just sort of insider info and, and you and I just aren't privy to it. But, yeah. but well, I, I, after I, last night, I'm looking at everything with jaundiced eyes. So, but anyways, I, I'm, I'm just a little hungover today. Well, you can buy this stuff, Spider Tech. You can buy it on Amazon. Why? why I, I get that. Why? Why would I? Why would I? I know. Okay. I know. Well, I you know. I don't know. I, I mean, you know. So on my hikes, I, I can hold. Yeah. But, Maybe you could use it to catch mice. That yeah. might be the stuff. Yeah. No, we've got feral cats for that, and they're <laughs> damn, damn good. Let me tell you. <laughs> they're stone cold killers. Well, Lloyd is, and so is Night Moves. But so, anyways. Uh, all right, so so Derek Jeter and yeah. uh, the Hall of Fame class. This is from 2019, or the Hall of Fame class from 2020. We'll have to wait even longer. I, right. I fear right. this year because instead of the traditional midsummer induction, it'll be done later on in September, and they're kind of trying to control access to it and keep it. You know, but there's a lot of people who are going to come. Yeah. You know, and uh, this is going to be a big deal. But you have to have tickets, so that's kind of a uh, well. That, that isn't always the case. The reason why I included this article is I don't understand what baseball's doing here. America's going back to its business within the next 30 days all across the country. Why you're putting this off under the guise of COVID is bullshit. I, I, I just don't understand that. And it's going to be like on a Wednesday as opposed to the weekend. I, I guess if I was the Cooperstown people, I probably wouldn't be too happy about this. And, and it's the day after uh, Labor Day as well. So that's I'll, another I'll tell thing. you what the problem is. I'll tell you what I think the problem is. It's a logistical one, Tom. Yeah, it, no, it is. It completely is. It, it, and that's, that's, they just couldn't, they couldn't pull it off. And, you know, that's, that's too bad. This is what happens during pandemic. So we see <laughs> events that we're used to seeing at different times of year occurring in, in crazy, crazy times. But um, now have you, have you been paying attention to the New York Mets and the efforts of uh, Jacob DeGrom, whose name, by the way, looks like a typo. Yeah, I know. <laughs> ERA, I think it's 0 0.56. Correct, as, as we get up today. as When this article was written, that was before he threw <clears throat> another six shutout innings that, that night. Um, yeah. And so, um, it, yes, it's 0.56. He's, he's very close to 
being on track, I would say, to eclipse Bob Gibson as having the best in the live ball area, having the, the lowest ERA. Um, the problem that, and I, again, I've seen so many of his starts, we are watching something that is special. The last time I saw a pitcher like this was Pedro Martinez. Yeah. Pedro Martinez yeah. went into a little groove like that, all the while pitching next to Randy Johnson, who was fantastic in his own right. But there was something special about about Martinez. It's kind of the same with the Grom doesn't really have a lot of weaknesses. And oh, by the way, he's given up four earned runs this year. He has five RBIs as a hitter. He has yeah. more yeah. RBIs as a yeah. hitter than yeah. runs he's allowed as a pitcher. So this is this is rarefied air. Uh, this, is beyond, this is beyond Sandy Koufax because Koufax couldn't hit like that. You're, you're seeing a special player, but as what happened two nights ago, he's brittle. And, and I'm concerned that, that as the season goes on, if they don't, and, and I think what's going to happen, they're going to start to miss starts for him because he can't, I don't think he consistently can pitch on, on five days for a whole the season. Him. The Mets are in a I, There's no doubt. There's no yeah. doubt. They're, they're the worst team that leads a division in baseball. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but, but you're watching something special. If you can see DeGrom, it, it's kind of like Otani. Otani to me is must watch TV. If he's on, he's pitching, he's hitting, I'm watching it. DeGrom's kind of that way too. It's been a great year in baseball. There's been a lot of great stories, which we've covered. DeGrom is certainly one of them in the year of the pitcher. Well, there are three ERA titles that he can kind of shoot for. And, and there's the, there's, there's the old or all time, all time record from 1914 by Dutch Leonard right. at 0.96, but that's kind of the dead ball era. The, the Gibson record from 1960. Also three, three of Le three of Leonard's are relief appearances. So I think you got to almost view Leonard slightly different and also dead ball era, but anyways, go ahead. It's dead ball era. But then, but then, so in 1968, the 1.12 yeah. ERA that Gibson, Bob Gibson put out there is sort of regarded as the modern that's record. Right. And then, and then Gooden in 1985 did 1.53, which is the lowest since Gibson. Yep. So I think that I'm going to say that um, DeGrom will slot in between Gooden and Gibson. He won't break Gibson's record. I think he will, um, he'll go, he'll be able to get underneath uh, Gooden. That's my prediction. So. I will tell you that if he stays healthy and, and finishes the season, he will beat both pitchers, and here's the reason why. If you look at Gooden and if you look at Gibson from this point in their, their respective seasons till the end, they got better. They didn't they, get they worse. Did. They got better. I yeah. would presume – I'm not going to say DeGrom's going to get any better now because it's impossible um, or, or it's improbable, I should say. So, well, you know, pitchers are having a lot of success this year. And on the other side of that coin, um, hitters are struggling. And Big in time. Arizona, uh, they, they basically cut the head off their hitting coach and they fired him yeah. after they lost 30 of 35 games and they were in a brutal offensive stretch. Yeah. They, they got rid of every per, per person that was involved with offense. It wasn't just Darnell Coles, ex-Tiger, by the way. But I think what you're seeing here, I don't, I don't want to call this a scapegoat situation, but hitters in general are, are performing so poorly this year that you're going to, it's beyond the fact that this is a hitting coach problem. That's, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. There's something, there's something else. It may be the baseballs themselves. I'm not exactly sure. But in this particular case, um, Arizona, which is just, they've got 
they, first of all, they're batting over 200. They're not the worst hitting team, but they're the, they're, they're ERA they're is God. All, yeah. Yep. No, they're sellers. You know that if they have anything to sell, they're going to be sellers. They're going to be selling. They're one of the, te- they're one of the few teams that's really all the way out of it. Yeah. You know, well, and, all right, let me ask you, are the Phillies all the way out of it? Um, I would say no, they're, they're a 500 club. If you look at the standings, you know, and they're in it, but they're just sort of stuck in neutral. Do they have any good young hitters on that team, Leo? They do, and one by the name of Luke Williams uh, recently had a bit of success. He had an interesting week in the sense that he hit a walk-off home run against the Braves. Now, this is the first home run that he's ever hit in the major leagues. Wow. Does this against the Braves, but that same week, he was playing for Team USA, uh, winning in uh, team qualifiers to get them into the Olympics. Nice, nice. Which I thought baseball had been taken out of the Olympics. Yeah, I, you know what? Good question. I don't, I don't, I don't have an answer for that. I thought they did that. I remember, I remember when that happened, and that the Olympic Committee was kind of like sticking it to the Americans that baseball was just a game that really only was played in the United States. And right, right. The rest of the world doesn't give a shit, and it's really just another kind of way for the U.S. to rack up medals that no one else cares about. But then they kind of I that's guess, partially okay. true, by the way, but not really. It's, it's not, not complete, really true, but though. it's partially true. I can see where a European would think like that. Well, but but the problem is, is how, you know, again, if it was localized to just the Americas, you know, right. Venezuela and, and Cuba and so on and so forth in the United States. But now but Japan, it's not. Exactly, Korea, exactly. Taiwan, all exactly. You know, me, meanwhile, back. all those countries are practicing while you're dogging the sport. They're, they're <laughs> practicing to, 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 be, to beat the American team, which, by the way, is not guaranteed to win. You know, oh. the Dominican, there's, there's, yeah. there's Dominican countries. Is, yeah, yeah. They're, this, they're, is, this is all warranted, and, and actually you bring up a very good point about that. I had thought all of this was COVID-related as far as the scheduling of it, allowing it, not allowing it. Um, and so that's very interesting, and, and kudos to Luke Williams. Yeah, no kidding. So um, I'm going to ask you a question, Tom. Do, yeah. do bigger bases beget better baseball? Because, wow, that, uh, that, that is like a uh, – that's like a two-time alliteration right there. I mean, yeah, as no, a writer, I, I, I'm like, there's a lot of bees in there going on. And within the words, there's other bees, which is an incredible line you just put forth there. No, I mean, seriously, I was kind of proud of that. I really yeah. had to say that. I, put <laughs> I that pay attention to stuff mind. like that. Yeah. I, was, uh, I was so happy. That uh, I was so pleased with myself, you know what I mean? But yeah. but but because they're using larger bases in the minor leagues, you know, there's the issue. Um, do you know is this going to increase two things? Yeah. Um, steals overall and steal attempts and uh, double plays. Are double plays going to decrease? You know, the biggest issue here is is the additional um, uh, space that's removed that gives the advantage to the runners. Yes. You know, now the base paths aren't as far apart. They need to kind of adjust that. I know people don't want to talk about that, but I think they need to readjust. If they're going to do that, if this is going to be implemented in the major leagues, I think you have to readjust the the dimensions to, to go back to those. Otherwise, there's an advantage to the runners. How many more stolen bases are going to occur? Because you just missed those four, what is it, three and a half to four inches I just, I just, to me, that's the, the ramification. The other side of the coin is, or the other side of the bag, the cool side of the, of the base uh, is that it's going to save people from injuries. And, and that's a big thing. That's something 
that they have to address that. So maybe this well, is it the reduces answer. it reduces um, collisions potentially at first base. Yeah. What's interesting about that is you know I we always thought you know how we play in softball, you know they would have that big base. You know, where yes, yeah. the runner, you know, where That's a right. lot of the base was two, there was two bases, two bases yeah. at first. Yeah, right. And and that was so you would avoid basically Correct. colliding That's the runner right. colliding with the first baseman, which I always thought, you know, I thought was a really smart thing to do. But what's interesting is these bases that they're using, which are like they're calling them pizza boxes. I know, right? They're so big, right. you know. Uh, there have been there have been incidences in the minors where a, a runner felt like, boy, if I didn't have that big base, I would yeah. have been out. Right. You know, I would have been, I would not have been safe on that play. So it's kind of see, interesting to see this sort of play out. But, I this, like is, the, but yes. this is, I love the fact that they do these experiments in the minor leagues because they need to get a year's worth of data and then make some decisions. Right now they're taking, I, I'm presuming they're taking all these things into consideration. Have there been any injuries as it, you know, what's the, percentage of versus the last year in the minors back to 2019 before COVID, you know, where they have, they can index against it. I think generally speaking, if he makes the players safer, I'm for it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. And I'm, and I would say that I'm also in favor of more running in the game and stealing and things that kind of improve that. Right. However, pitchers will bitch because the double play will be a tougher, it'll be, it'll just be that much tougher to turn. And uh, that's not necessarily good for them, but oh well. Yeah. So uh, now, did you see in San Diego um, a woman holding her baby basically in front of her with her right arm? She was left-handed, I guess, or she reaches up and catches a foul ball at uh, what is it, the the Petco Park in San Diego? The ball had careened around in uh, in the stands, got went off the upper deck, went off the facing, bounced again, and she reached up and just snatched it out of the air for one of the great foul ball catches by a fan I've ever seen. Really? So I saw it live and, saw it live. and, and I, and I saw the replays of it. I didn't think it was, I've seen some incredible catches by fans over the years. She caught a carom that had hit five or six different places. Yeah, I yeah. don't want to say it's an easy ball to catch, but it's an easy ball to catch. Well, which because, contested though. And she's no, no, the, the, velo- the velocity's knocked off of that ball. Yeah, it would have been something yeah. if that ball hit her off the bat, that's a whole other story because she'd probably still be in the hospital. But what I'm saying is, is that it was great for her to because she had the baby. It was just kind yeah. of I. You that's know, why. It was that, that's great. Some, it yeah. 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 That it, it's something that like Rockwell would paint. You know, uh, for the old Saturday Evening Post, it's a perfect like Americana shot there. So that was kind of kind of cool. There was there was a, uh, another interesting. And by the way. What about this kid in Cincinnati, the Cincinnati oh, yeah. kid? That was a much tougher catch. That was a much tougher catch. This kid in Cincinnati, I guess, on a – was it a Nick Castellanos home run? Yeah. Talk about America – you know, at Great American Ballpark. Yeah, okay, exactly. That kid, that 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 little red-haired kid wearing a Reds cap, sitting in the outfield, the kid had to be like eight years old. Yeah. Eight, seven, eight years old. He made a diving catch in the stands, in the bleachers, to snare – the home run and he basically fell sideways on the top of the seats because he's up slightly from where he is and he reaches to his right and just goes flat out right on top of that that must have hurt but he caught the ball and i thought that was really really cool i love the expression on his mom who went from what are you doing to oh that's my son when the the crowd started recognizing what are you doing oh 
my God, you caught it. <laughs> Eight two-strike fouls. 13th pitch of the plate appearance. Here comes. And he fouls off another. Drill to right. That one got to get up. Gone. Oh, my goodness. Are you kidding me? What an at-bat from Anthony Rizzo. An absolute marathon. Is he excited? All right. Well, so so let's get to Chicago baseball. And guess what? The Cubs are good. Yeah. They right now sit a half game out of first place behind the Brewers, or are they tied? No, they're tied with the Brewers for yeah. first. Yeah. And they've just taken two straight over the Cardinals. They've won the series. Right. The uh, the the Christians go out to slaughter tomorrow, starting <laughs> Carlos Martinez. Yeah. Um, and uh, the Cubs have they even announced who's going to start? It was to be determined at some point. I think it's a position player. I mean, we at this point we don't really care. I mean, we're going to beat the well, Cardinals. I mean, the party, you know, the party continues. You know, the good times keep rolling for the Cubs. Um, and and this is unexpected. Um, we didn't think that they would be like this. We thought, oh well, maybe they'd be competitive, sit just below five hundred, struggle to get there. No. You know, and if that were the case, it would make it easy for them to justify trading Bryant or Baez or Rizzo or Kimbrel. They, they want Kimbrel. That's the that's the player that the teams want is Kimbrel. Yeah, yeah. And what's really funny about all of this is that we have this assumption that once the year ends, these guys are just puffs of smoke. They're all gone. Yeah. You know what I mean, if they stay here this year and they win here. Right. Isn't it reasonable to expect that they might want to come back? You know, maybe I'm happy here. Yeah. Maybe if I make 20 million a year instead of 27 million a year, that I could be happy in this city. It's a great city to live in when you have a lot of money. I, I believe everything you said up to that last part where they're going to give away $7 million. That ain't happening. And that's, and that's not because they're not benevolent. Their agents would not allow, would never permit that, unfortunately. But you're right. In the perfect world, that's kind of how that would shake out. I think Han has a big problem on his hands because the season has not turned out the way. I think he was playing for the long game. He was. And now, and now he was. suddenly he needs to improv, improvise and audibleize and, and make some tough decisions. No. Part of those is, you know, because he had a plan and the plan is now upside down. And, and here's what I'm going to, here's what I'm going to propose. They need to go get Nick Castellanos back. That's what I think. Like, I think nothing in right field, nothing right now. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So you know what I'm saying? Like that, that would be a, a some kind of a missing piece. Even Scherzer would be great, but I don't think they're going to go after Scherzer. I just think Han's got a problem on his hands. What do you do? You, you, you know, and, and if you make the wrong mistake, it'll make or break you. That's what I think. I, I think it is. It's delicious is what I think. I yeah, mean, I, the intrigue and the drama, just exactly. speculate about the possibilities, you know, Correct. what they could do. I don't think the Reds would ever trade Castellanos to us intentionally. And again, that's right. you shouldn't. Literally, they, it'll never happen. But the problem is, too, is that Hayward is just, I mean, you see his batting average. It yeah. is awful. Yeah. I mean, he contributes in other ways. Yes, he's a great he professional, and they love having him there. Yeah. But, my God, right field is giving us nothing this year. You know, it really yeah. is terrible. It, all those things are true, and um, yet the Cubs Ryan, are still, still competitive. And, and 
But but I agree with you. If they're going to be serious about it, and we'll know within short order because they'll start to brace the team for what they think the postseason is going to shake out to be. But I think, you know, there's 50 days or something like that left, and these are going to be critical days for the Cubs because if they stay competitive, which I, I, I suspect they will, Milwaukee may overtake them, but I think the Cubs will be ahead of the Cardinals. The Cardinals, to me, don't show me shit. I'm just going to be the honest. Cardinals, yeah. The Cardinals, yeah. They don't show me yeah. shit. I, and I would disrespect them like a rag doll, but that's just me. And they, and by the way, the Cubs hitters kind of did that to the Cardinals pitchers yesterday. And well, so, I mean, the Cardinals – just kept shooting themselves in the foot, and they're defensively terrible too. That's another thing. Well, you know, you know what I when I think about the Cardinals, and I and I apologize. You know, I have a lot of Cardinal friends who may be right. listening, and and you know, I, I know how t- tough it is. But you know, Chris Carpenter, Matt, Matt Carpenter, yeah, Matt Carpenter, Carpenter's, you know, mixed up. Hey, if I was but a Carpenter and you were a lady, he's he's like the albatross around the the Cardinals' neck, just like Hayward is for the Cubs, you know, he's yeah, giving yeah. them nothing. He's awful. He can't, at least Hayward can play defense, which Carpenter that, cannot. That's correct. That, that it's, it, it, All those things are true. If you remember when we first started doing this show five, six years ago, we, we were all over the Cardinals defense. They yeah. got better for like a year or so. But I, the other day, this is, I saw uh, Molina, uh, yeah. the catcher yep. make two errors within five seconds on the field. I'm like, I've never seen him do that before, but it's indicative of the Cardinals just look out of sorts. You're right. Carpenter is old. They're playing like I thought the Cubs would be playing, Yeah, but, they but are. they're not. Yeah. It, yeah. It's just yeah. baseball is such a mystery to me. I mean, and, and it's other things, you know, they lose Jack Flaherty. And, and oh yeah. Hard. My pitcher. God, and, thanks and, for bringing and, that up. And, and again, making it even harder is that guys like Patrick Wisdom are getting it done for the Cubs. I mean, how good would Patrick Wisdom look? in a Cardinal uniform. I mean, I know you have Arenado there, but right. if you had wisdom there, maybe you never needed to trade for Arenado. They, they say that wisdom is very knowledgeable. Oh my God. Is he not your mean Mercedes of the national league? You yeah. Know, with he, a, with a better body, but yes. Look at it like, <laughs> exactly. but they're both right-handed hitters. No, yeah. they're like a doppelganger. They're like yeah. right-handed hitters. They're old rookies. Yes. You know, they yes. crush left-handed pitching and They've put up like phenomenal numbers, ungodly numbers. Their first to, you know, to, 10, to start off their career. To Correct. start off their career. I mean, I love what's happening. And I'll tell you this: if they can just sustain it a little bit, I mean, yeah. Patrick Wisdom might hit twenty-five home runs. Would he be the the National League Rookie of the Year? Yeah, well, I think he would be. Yeah. I, I, I mean, what if Mercedes and Wisdom are Rookies of the Year? That yeah. would be delicious. That would be amazing. So, well, I would like to. I would like to to see him on the same team, so where you can say, "Hey, you, uh, you know, after you get your wisdom, you might get a Mercedes." <laughs> it's it's your knowledge and your wisdom that gets. With, me. So, yeah, the wisdom is very knowledgeable. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Write that one down. I'll say that one twice for. for but your but you know the Cubs, and again, we'll we'll we'll, we'll wrap this up quickly because I want to get to the fact that the Cubs went three and four in a West Coast swing. Yeah, and it could have been a lot worse. It, it could have been worse. First three to the to the Giants before winning, salvaging the fourth game, and then they take two or three from San Diego, and then and then you're like, huh, okay, yeah. that's not so bad, you know. And, and then they come home and take two from the Cardinals. Uh, you know, this is a good baseball team. You're going to have those stretches like what happened to uh, in, in San, San Francisco, Francisco. Yeah. San Francisco, but 
San Francisco is a smack you in the face team. And I think Cubs, the Cubs str- struggle a little bit with teams like that. They, they just kind of come at you from, you know, it, you're getting a hit from every single different direction. Nothing. Really I want to say, I want to see how the giants play the Cubs in Wrigley field. Yeah. All these things have to play out, but uh, you know, the Cubs come home and On the place Friday. is, the place is packed. Yeah. This it's is like COVID fun- never happened. Yeah. It's a Friday afternoon game at Wrigley. They're the only game being played at that time. Yeah. It is hot. And Wrigley yeah. Field goes to full capacity. And I got to tell you, man, you know, it, it was it had the atmosphere, the car, and, it, and it's against the Cardinals. Right. And the Cardinals were like the Christians being brought out, you know, to be to be fed to the Lions. Yeah. You know, and uh, and I I I feel bad, you know, I thought that Arenado kind of got things going where he's hitting home runs. Yep, yep. But, but the Cardinals are just not right now playing. But, but but did you see John uh, Vincent sing the national anthem on Friday? Tears in my eyes, Tom. Tears in my eyes. Wow. I really just hearing him go, that guy is legitimate. I love yeah. he sounds like Sinatra when he wants to. When he's when right. he wants to, he's he's exactly like Sinatra. Correct. But 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 when he kind of goes but he looks like Pavarotti. He looks he like Pavarotti. Like... <laughs> he's huge. He's very tall. He's very large, but he's a great singer, and I love listening to him. So, so I'm I'm watching this game on Friday, oh, and yeah. there's a p- part in the game where something occurred that, first of all, was the most incredible thing I saw this year, and maybe in in in, in watching the Cubs in many years, and that is Rizzo comes up to the plate. And um, down I, five to four. I forget who the Spanish pitcher was on the Cardinals, but it was, it was their, uh, their it was starter. Play, it was either. Oh, no, no. It was Oviedo. Yeah. Yeah. And so it, it went to 14 pitches and Rizzo contested every single thing, you know, Found off like the, 12 or 14. Rizzo is one of the best two strike hitters in the game. And the reason is, is because he checks up his swing. He go, he, he does what every hitter should do, but most power hitters refuse to do that. But he, ch- you know, he chokes up on the bat and, uh, and he's been very successful doing that. And it was forces the pitcher to come back and give him and hit and he crushed it. Exactly. He fouled off so many pitches and finally in the 14th pitch, but before that they were leading up to that, they were talking about Jim Leland and Jim Leland used to have a saying that when a pitcher and a hitter are dueling like that, where it's pitch after pitch, eventually the advantage goes to the hitter, the hitter, the hitter is the one that, that, takes over and that's exactly what happened here. Rizzo turned on the ball and it's like he put a light charge in it and just crushed it. Crushed it. I I and just the drama leading up to it was, was fantastic. Uh beautiful beautiful moment and did you also notice and this is one of the great things about watching baseball with high definition television. Yeah, right. That you get these moments where one of the foul balls ended up in the hands of a 5-year-old kid Right. was sitting there with exactly. the ball, and it's like, wow, right. this is right. really great. And you, you could just see that moment for that kid will live on for the rest of his life. And when you and I are gone from this earth, yeah, there's going to be a photo of Anthony Rizzo and that kid right. in his 20s. You know what I mean? And uh, Giambi and um, the Shays did a great job. Yeah, was, um, was, and I, I can't remember, was Bill Murray in the booth at that point? He was, he was about- not in the booth at that moment. But he was shortly there. Shortly thereafter, but that uh, tied. That was the Cubs were down by a run that tied the game. Correct. Then we had Bill Murray sing "Take Me Out to the Ball Game" after 
we right. had him take the field for the first pitch with a bunch of Hall of Famers. Correct. It was. It was. Well, a- all I would say, Bill, you're leading a charmed life. I don't know what you ever did on the baseball field except stand and look like a movie star. But except for enjoy yourself. Exactly. You know? and, and you're, you know, but what a charmed life he he leads. The, the world's biggest Cubs fan. He really is. And you know, did you see him hanging around the 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 Comcast or the the Marquee Network Studios out yeah, yeah, just walking yeah. around. In front and of he him. was dogging Ryan Dempster. He's like, what are, what are you in, like a little confessional booth? What is that booth they've got you <laughs> in over there? I know. No, it was a lot of fun. It so, was a lot but, of fun having everybody back. But then this also brings up an issue that the Cubs have. Yeah. In that they have not reached the 85% vaccination threshold, which allows them to kind of loosen some of the restrictions associated yeah. with keeping the virus in bay. And one of those people... He's Anthony Rizzo. I know. So at the, at, at, on the one hand, he's doing this thing that it brings everyone such great joy and yeah. happiness, but he won't do the one thing that needs to be done for all of us. I know. Exactly. It's like, Anthony, did you grow up near a gas leak? I mean, why Why are you like this? That, that, this is At this point, it's crazy. So let me just explain it to you, Anthony, so you don't understand. So on herd immunity, the whole world's vaccinated, and there's a segment that's not vaccinated. Guess what happens to that segment that's not vaccinated? They, they get fucking COVID and die. That's what happens. So I don't know what he he got crushed on Twitter. Just so you know, he 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 took a beating. I, he, I, he doesn't care. The the people that think like this, all I can I'm telling you right now, love you. But if you die, I'm gonna say I told you so. I know, but there's something I think manifest in the heart of every human being, yeah. within us as a species, to rebel to not do what everybody else is doing. And there are just some people who are part of that. And I'm not going to dislike him any less. I'm not going to, I'm not going to dislike him for choosing not to do it. I'm I'm not ultimately either, but he's in my doghouse this week. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, You know, Craig Kimbrell. Yeah. Let me be the first guy to say at the beginning of the year, I'm like, cut this son of a bitch. You were, you were like, I I was, I was, and I, I beg forgiveness because I was completely wrong. Kimbrell's not just pitching. Well, he's pitching some of the best. And first of all, it's a guy that may make the hall of fame when it's all said and done because of his earlier success from 2010 to like 2015, he was an elite a Hall of Fame arc relief pitcher. He had some stumbles. Well, he's back pitching like that right now. He he's he's pitching like the Grom is pitching. That, he saves forty games for the Cubs. <laughs> here's what I here's what I noticed yesterday or the day before when I, I was zoomed in on Kimbrel. If you stand there and look at it, it's a strike. Yeah. If you swing at it, you're gonna you're gonna make an out. Yeah. But but. He's not going to throw you ball. He's so efficient with his pitches, and he's got great location, obviously, and 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 variance in his velocity. He throws strikes. That's the big thing about successful relievers because you're not going to draw a walk against them. He's not going to put guys on base. He isn't putting guys on base now, which is right, right. But he's 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 on fire right now. Ride it out or trade him. He'll never his trade value will never be so high. I know, but 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 you know what? I mean, the thought of having him go all the way here and taking us into the playoffs, and and honestly, these guys have to admit that playing here is special. Right. He may want to return at a reasonable amount of money. Yeah, it may might. happen. I think playing in this city is is special. It is yeah. special in the baseball world. Say that um, 
you know, I want to ask you a question. I want to begin yeah. our Sox discussion with the question, who would you rather have as your closer, Craig Kimbrell or Liam Hendricks? And Hendricks is my closer on my fantasy baseball team, but I'd rather have Kimbrell because Kimbrell, yeah, if you look at his any measurement, the last five games, 15, 30 games, you know, his pitch, he has been consistently doing what we just spoke about, which is he throws strikes, he gets batters out. And the, the reason why he's not leading um, in saves in the major leagues is because I think Ross does a pretty good job of rotating his pitchers. He doesn't get a hundred percent of the save opportunities. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah. That he doesn't, he, the Cubs haven't been good enough to give him all of these. Yeah. But, but exactly. Ross also does a good job of, of, of resting and getting the pitchers out, but the Sox, so the Sox took a, got a, a huge hit this week in a year of unbelievable injuries. Um, they lost their second baseman, uh, Nick uh, Madrigal, um, to a um, potentially, they're saying it's not, but I believe it is. He's got a torn right hamstring, and he probably is going to have surgery to get it corrected, would be my guess. But I don't think you see him come back this year. That's what I think. Sadly. Well, you know, again, it's how many more, how many more, um, how many more of these injuries will the White Sox have to endure? Not too lost, many more. <laughs> I don't see how they can do it, but, I mean, they have the good fortune of playing in a division where three of the five teams really aren't interested in winning, yeah. you know, and, uh, and you know. They but just, I, I hear that a lot of players don't even say that they're injured. They just look at their manager and go, hey, if he could be in the dugout, so can I, you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he just inspires them to swim. That's right. You know, well, I mean, they're they're a good ball club. I mean, they keep beating. They're, they're better than the Cubs. I'm, I hate to tell you, we can make fun of them all we want. They are better than the Cubs. How are they better than the Cubs? How are they're, they? Better? They're they're a better they're better starting they're, pitching. Yes, they're, they're better. They're better offensive power without question. The Cubs just started hitting, but for the first part of the year, they were their normal since 2017, not hitting themselves, but they picked that up. I got to give them credit. They raised their team batting average like 70 points, which is pretty good. So well, I'll tell you, the, the, the White Six have the one player in all of this who I just admire, and that's Jose Abreu, yeah. who just is such a steady – he's among the lead leaders in RBI. Yeah, again, I know. Again, I know. And, and, you know, he's just sort of – he's around 260, but he's just still a presence, yeah. and I love watching him. You know, they're, they're wonderful. They really are. I, I, Sox fans should be enjoying the hell out of this. And yeah. it'll be really interesting to see the first White Sox game at full capacity. And if it's not a sellout, I'm going to be bitterly critical of the White Sox sort of fan base. I, I think tell that gonna, game out, I'll be pissed off. This is a, this is a crosstown uh, game that actually matters. This series will this, determine yeah. that. Let's put it this way. The first couple series will determine the answer to your question. And I think that that answer is going to be the Sox. That's what I think. Well, I mean, how many, I don't know if it's four games or six games that they're going to play this year, but no, those games will just be like gold. Correct. You know, that's just baseball gold and that you cannot miss it, especially if you live anywhere near, you know, this city, near right. state in uh, Madison. Yep. So anyway, but, but there is one thing that really bothers me about yeah. both teams, both Chicago teams. And maybe it's just making me a pessimist at heart is that when you look and I, and I sent you that baseball reference page for the league leaders, yeah, the Cubs look through all of the top 10 in every single offensive category and you won't find a Cub or a White Sox. You, right. you won't find, I mean, Bryant is up there in slugging. 
Yeah. Okay. An offensive war and, and, and a Braves up there in RBIs and Kimbrell, you know, Kimbrell and Hendricks are at the top in terms of saves. But after that, I mean, when you look at wins above replacement by pitcher, wins above replacement by offensive player, wins above replacement, you know, by hitter, I mean, or just every single category, you're not seeing any Chicago player. And that is a little concerning. That, that concludes the uh, peanuts discussion. And there's just shells, I got to say, piles and piles <laughs> of shells all around me. But now it's time to open the bag of popcorn. Brothers, can I have your ears, please? If you want to go to the Sloss and Swap Meet, the Brentwood Mansion, the L.A. Zoo, or the La Brea Tar Pits, then your black ass is on the wrong bus. <laughs> this bad boy is going to Washington, D.C. for the Million oh, Man March. Being the boys, it started on this bus to Washington, and being you know the men that our wives and our mothers and our children are waiting for back home. If you're ready to do that, then we got work to do. And the movie we chose this week is Get on the Bus, a Spike Lee joint, um, a movie that I selected, and I selected it because it is actually it's probably my favorite. Spike Lee movie. I've seen it several times. I will always stop and watch it. You know, it's not, I think it's not a movie. It's a movie that I would like to have, I think it could have done better. I should have done better. I would have been happier if it had done better. But basically I chose this movie because Lee takes a group of black men in Los Angeles from different walks of life, different professions, different, you know, because the black community in this country is very diverse and they get on a spotted owl bus. And as you recall that spotted owls were in danger of being extinct. And these men, these black men get on the bus and with the intention of driving to across the country to the million man March in Washington, D.C. And this happened when? In like the 90s. This was a yeah. long, long time ago. In terms I, of not, It happened in 96. The film was released in 97 on the anniversary of the Million Man March. Wow. Well, anyway, so what's wonderful about the movie is, in my estimation, and it's a reason why I think you should see this movie, is because, you know, recently we see all the things that happened with George Floyd and, and Laquan McDonald and all of these, these police killing Black uh, young men. You know, this movie, I think, really resonates in terms of the issues that Lee addresses through his characters. You know, you have an old man who gets on the bus played by the veteran Ozzy Davis, who has just that beautiful, rich voice. And he's there as a kind of moral anchor to the bus as it makes its way in and the men sort of kid around with one another. But if you look at the cast of that movie, you know, Bernie Mac, um, you know, they're just all sorts of Charles Dutton. These were men who, who were houses on fire throughout this movie as they address some of the problems and issues inherent in being a black man in this country. What did you think? I, uh, this is the first time I ever saw it. Um, and the reason why I didn't watch it when it came out is, is, is um, and I'm glad I, that you picked this film because I never would have watched it is because I, I'm not a big fan of Farrakhan. So I, I, I felt that, and, yeah. and, 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 and Lee, to his credit, addresses that completely totally in the film. addresses that. Yeah, and that Richard Belzer scene is just spectacular. Or, I thought this was, yeah. 
I agree with Ebert. This is an important film. And here's something that's even a bigger, more prescient thing. You could watch this movie right now. Yeah. And it applies right now to what's going on in the United States. Absolutely. And and it hasn't aged one second. I was watch I would watched it and then I was like, you know what? Lee uses that cinema verite approach where the camera's basically right in your face. Yeah. And yeah. so all of the actors that he's picked, and, and you mentioned Charles Dutton, but I'm gonna mention him again. Charles Dutton is an underrated um, oh. oh yes star of not just um, African-American films, but films in general. He's, he's a tremendous actor. He kind of almost to a certain degree morally carries the story yeah, on his yeah. back. Ozzie Davis is a, you know, benevolent old um, actor. He, it, unfortunately, he passed away not shortly thereafter, but in 2005. And he was like 80 years old when he filmed that part. I couldn't believe how good he looked for being 80. Um, and, you know, Andre Brower, who had such a great role on a homicide life on the streets playing the uh, Pembleton detective that you did not want to get in the interview room with I mean he was just un. <laughs> you go back and watch those videos there's some of the best television ever he does a really good job of being first of all not only homophobic yeah but within the black community there's always been something to do with the shades of people's colors. Like the uh, dark-skinned Blacks have always felt that light-skinned Blacks have been treated better than them, and they right. get treated better than light. And Correct. Yeah. yeah. And so darker-skinned Blacks, first of all, when they see it, and, and it happened in this film, he saw a light-skinned dude, and immediately he's like, which one in your family's white? And kind of did it in a defiant way. And if you know anything about Brower, well, first of all, he's played gay characters before. Tremendous, yes. tremendous actor. And I thought he was just kind of electrifying in his performance. I really love this film. I give it four stars. And I wish I would have watched it, but I told, I, but I was biased against it because I just, I could not support yeah, you didn't want to, and yeah, his anti-Semitic yeah. Just some, some of the things out of his mouth have just been re, repulsive. Well, and But it's not about him at like, all. Like he presses, what I like is that he addresses the, the contradictions that yes. are inherent. Yes. being black in America and that 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 homophobia that's is right. an issue Correct. among black people and there are two yeah. gay characters on the bus yes they're yes. harassed and Correct. made fun of that's and right there's a fight between one of the guys who's an ex-military the gay guy yeah he keeps up and he's just beating him up he's like Langston Hughes boom yeah Dennis right Rodman. right boom. Dennis right. Rodman's gay you know yeah. that was, yeah that was a lot of fun and uh, you know, the thing about Spike Lee is that you can't um, talk about this enough. You can criticize him all you want for him, like maybe politicizing the point he's trying to make, but he's exceedingly fair in pointing that point out. Um, and Ebert does a good job of saying, you know, even in Do the Right Thing, you know, as much as you might have been polarized in your thoughts, he, you know, he made the white pizza guy owner sympathetic. That's not. He did. He did. And, and, so uh, Danny, uh, whatever his name is, Danny Hill. Yeah. So um, th there was just a, this film was made like in three weeks. There was like 10 rich black dudes that financed it yeah. for, um, you know, for Spike Lee to put this together. And, and that script was so, I think this film is timeless and it will live on forever. And as long as there's a race problem in the United States, this film should be watched because these black men at their core, want to do the right thing. They want to be 
contributing and they're going to this million man march to basically say that they're taking control of their lives and they're going to be respectful to their women and 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 do the right thing basically and so it's noble um i it, you know the richard belzer scene in there was fantastic we that was really that's you know and he's like what are you gonna, you're either going to kick my ass you're going to cover for me or right. you're going to make something up and he, and you know they that was really, really heartfelt. And, and yeah. the other scene with, 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 with Harry Lennox, as he's yeah. talking to Richard Belzer, who's driving the bus, he's like, hey, you know, I don't have to apologize for anything. Correct. I'm white. You know what I mean? My parents were in the civil rights movement. And Lennox is like, oh, you know, he totally kind of. Right. Disrespects him. He disrespects him, actually. Yeah. yeah. But, but look at the Chicago talent. Lennox, Bernie Mac is in this. Yes. Did you also notice that... Um, What's his name? The kid. Uh, what's his name? Hill Harper. Yeah. Who's also in the nephew. Yeah. Is young film student in the movie. Right. He's right. filming everybody talking about why they're going. You know, I, I just love this movie and uh, I love the discussions I think that it engenders. I would favor showing this to to uh, high school students, yeah. but there is some very, very hard. There are some hard things, I think. Well, there's to tough, to, there's language, that, but yeah. but I do think that. It, it just, you can watch it right now, which I just did, and it completely applies to what's happening right it now. It's tight. And to me, there's very few. The point is, the film hasn't aged a bit. A yeah. bit. Yeah. So go out and see it if you can. It is on cable a lot. Yeah. You know, you'll be watching cable and it'll, it'll come across your screen. Pick yeah. it up yeah. at some point in the movie. You'll really enjoy it. All right, so Tom, that brings us to the end of the popcorn discussion and a, and a lively one it was. Yeah. You have a movie selected for next week? I do. Uh, next week, we're going to go back, way back to uh, way back. 1956, I believe, to see John Ford's film, The Searchers. Well, looking forward to it. And uh, until next week, we are the two peas in a podcast. I'll bang the drum slowly and play the five loads. Play the dead march as they carry me along. Put bunches of roses all over my coffin. Roses to deaden the clouds as they fall. <laughs>